Anyway, obviously, you got to give Joe Wilson a brain damage award. Although I think the tactic that uh, created the controversy might have worked in an odd sort of way. He, of course, is the uh, congressman who shouted, You lie! during the president's speech before a joint session of Congress. Murmuring and... Uh, Oh, you know, uh, what does he think he is in Canadian Parliament? Yeah, or 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 the Brits, but even in the British Parliament, there's a sort of a a bit more decorum than that. Well, it gets it gets rough, but it it the, the rules are you can't call the uh, prime minister a liar, and the prime minister, of course, in Britain is part of the legislative branch. Indeed, yeah. The president is uh, an odd hybrid of uh, head of state, head of the party nominal head of the party, and, of course, the chief, chief executive under Article Two of the Constitution. And the tradition is, is that uh, regardless of policy differences, personality conflicts, uh, jealousies about who's sleeping with who, you're supposed to show deference to the uh, president of the United States. And Joe Wilson didn't do that. Think about all the lies that... Uh People sat through in that room with previous presidents. Sure. I mean, real serious, hardcore lies. I mean, what's denounced here as a lie is, I think, simply debatable. Debatable. Rather than demonstrably false, which, uh, boy, for any of the uh, Reagan, Bush, Bush, too, um, sessions. Of course, the bill itself is not going to give uh, health care to uh, illegal immigrants. But, of course, the reality of the situation is, is that illegal immigrants get uh, health care in some situations, in emergency situations uh, around the country, uh, because hospitals are required to stabilize uh, patients in such conditions regardless of their status. And uh, the immigration problem is nothing that Barack Obama created. This is just one of those mistakes that uh, actually was made during the Reagan years, ironically. Uh, if there needs to actually be an analysis of the illegal immigration problem. And, uh, of course, Central American policies of the American government over many decades has contributed to the illegal immigration problem from Latin America. There's also, of course, an Asian illegal immigration problem that's uh, quite different. Anyway, enough with him. You lie! You lie. They lie. That's going to be a new... Uh, my, uh, theme of uh, political analysis, and I'm sure we'll see some books with that title. They Lie. Yeah, well, the uh, angry shout-down seems to be the new Republican strategy. Yeah, and it even... I mean, that's the uh, the town hall meeting approach. You're going to kill my grandma! You're a liar! I'm not a crazy guy with a pitchfork! <laughs> yeah, well, if only we can get back to the era of dueling... <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, Aaron Burr, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I think there was a duel also between two congressmen once uh, from the the, the uh, middle uh, 19th century. Oh, OK. I was going to say that might be the last one. But uh, knowing Southern gentlemen, but you know, if, there probably are a few. Of course, the anger uh, is is everywhere. Uh, it even seemed to have afflicted Serena Williams this weekend in the uh, U.S. Open. We won't talk about her. Um, tennis, of course, is a 
lady of gentlemen and ladies um, going after an official. Look, bad calls are made in sports all the time. <laughs> uh, she lost it. She gets a brain damage yeah. award. And I'm sure at this point she's truly sorry. Anyway, um, on to the president's speech just real briefly. Obviously, this is one of Barack Obama's strengths. Communication, delivering the speech was, I thought, superb. Um, I thought he pretty much laid it on the line. He said, this is this is what we're trying to do. Uh, and by well, the an way, emphasis on do. I yeah, mean, accomplish. linguistically, if you look at the, the tenor of the speech, there's all sorts of active verbs yeah. there. And it's about doing and moving and, and creating um, rather than just talking and planning. Let's get it done right. is basically the concept here. And I think that invoking Ted Kennedy at the end of the speech was obviously a very effective emotional tactic. Um, this, you know, the specifics of the speech are somewhat minor at this point because we're still waiting for the incredibly lethargic uh, Senate Finance Committee to come up with a compromise or whatever or a bill. Four of the, f of the five bills are already passed. So this is going to be some sort of complex negotiations that that are uh, performed in what's known as conference committees, where members of the Senate, members of the House get together and hash out the, the gory details. And uh, a lot of the debate that, that America has been having about the health care uh, problem, the policy issues, is uh, just simply off the mark because they're debating about something that's not even there yet. <laughs> Right. It's jumping the gun for sure. Once th these things come out of committee, that's when you have something that's going to come up for vote. And while there's some statistical evidence that show that uh, this uh, tactic, the tactics of propaganda, disinformation and outright lying have worked to some extent, Obama still enjoys high general approval ratings. Obama's problem as uh, Charles M. Blow uh, notes in Saturday's New York Times regarding strongly approve, strongly disapprove uh, polling regarding Barack Obama, which I think is interesting, statistical, you know, pretty pretty mathematical and pretty clear that there's been a, a serious movement uh, of people that strongly disapprove of uh, Barack Obama's presidency relative to where it started out. But this just is a reinforcement of the Republican base. This is a third of the people in, in the United States who strongly disapprove. So what? Um, he doesn't need to work with these people anyway. Uh, they're they're obviously going to vote against him. Let's remember that 46% of the, the electorate, 45 roughly, uh, in the last election voted against mm -hmm. him. So uh, <clears throat> while the emotions have uh, gathered steam, and, and indeed some of the strong disapproval may even be uh, liberals, Strong liberals that have been disappointed with uh, the escalation uh, in Afghanistan. Um, as well as a seeming backing away from certain aspects of the health care yeah. promises. And I, I read in a, a right-wing analysis that was highly off the mark. Uh, they, they claim that Bill Clinton's problem uh, in 93-94 wasn't the health care issue. It was the crime bill. No. Uh, Clinton's mistake there, well, he had a variety of minor problems that got him off on the wrong foot, including 
attorney general appointment problems, the gays in the military. And, and oh, the gays sorts. in the military was almost a sort of a setup. Yeah. The, the way that was positioned by the Republicans because they knew it was something they were going to have a field day with. And they did. Yeah. And it didn't work <clears throat> for Clinton. But his, his mistake was that he went after um, health care before he went after welfare reform. Hmm. And if Obama's made a mistake, in my opinion, it's that he's trying to get health care through before financial Wall Street regulation reform uh, that, of course, is going to be in the news a lot over the next several weeks because today is the uh, one-year um, day anniversary, not the date. Uh, the date anniversary was the 15th of September in which uh, American public realized that the uh, Western capitalist system was pretty much a house of cards and was broken. And while uh, historians are still debating about what uh, exactly happened, who's to blame, what the problems were, what's quite clear is that the inability of Paulson, uh, Henry Paulson, the Secretary of the Treasurer, uh, to um, find a buyer for Lehman Brothers was at the heart of the problem. He did save the system to some extent by finding a buyer for Merrill Lynch. But the bottom line was he had a meeting over the weekend uh, a year ago in which he brought the big investment banks and several of America's big um, sort of international banks like Bank of America and Chase, Wells Fargo and those sorts of uh, institutions, Citigroup, to figure out how to solve the problem um, in the back smoke-filled mm -hmm. rooms. Uh, Geithner was there and so was Bernanke. And uh, Bernanke... We'll talk about his role in a second because Obama's decided to reappoint him as chairman of the Fed. But Paulson worked on Wall Street, and he knew that there were problems. Uh, he had been the uh, chairman of Goldman Sachs at one right. point. And um, what's quite clear from all of the evidence is that none of the financial institutions except Goldman Sachs may have been in a position to bail out Lehman Brothers. Earlier in the year, it's important to remember that Bear Stearns had been bought by J.P. Morgan Chase. That was sort of the initial signs that there were brewing problems that were only going to spread. And, of course, the ultimate collapse uh, occurred later in the uh, month when the Reserve Fund, an Asian bank that owned Lehman Bonds, couldn't, quote, pay on the buck, as they say in Wall Street jargon. And this led to bank runs at other institutions forcing, for instance, um, uh, Wachovia to be bought by a bigger bank, and uh, Washington Mutual uh, was bought by uh, J.P. Chase. Once again, what's important to realize is the FDIC did not have the wherewithal or the or the funding in their bank account to bail out big banks that were failing. For instance, uh, Washington Mutual had a bank run shortly after the reserve fund, quote, could not pay on the buck that resulted in $16 billion being withdrawn by, credit, by, by bank depositors in one day. And these sorts of things behind the scenes are aspects of the collapse of the financial capitalist system that uh, many people don't want to really look at. There's lots of gory details, and they're hard to keep straight. You've got to read the precise chronology to figure out exactly what happened. And the rest, as they say, is history. But historians debate about these sorts of events for many, many decades in the future and as well as uh, currently today. So it will be interesting to see how the media reexamines the one-year anniversary of these problems. 
Uh, of course, this is the one-year anniversary of the uh, end of John McCain's campaign <laughs> when he uh, infamously said that the fundamentals of the American economy are sound. That's reminiscent of when Gerald Ford said that the countries of the Soviet bloc in Eastern Europe were free. <laughs> yeah, not under as, Soviet domination. Right, <laughs> as far as gaffes go on the campaign trail. Yeah, so that was a disaster. Well, gold prices are still high. In fact, uh, over the weekend, hitting record highs again. And this is another indicator that despite the fact that there is some green shoots, as they say, in various you know marginal aspects of the economy, that there's overall uncertainty and uh, hesitance. Um, uh, gold hit uh, $1,011 $1, $1, an ounce uh, it uh, just below its record high of March 2008, which, of course, is when the Fed was forced to take emergency action to stabilize the financial markets when uh, Bear Stearns went down. Uh, the billions of dollars spent by central banks to rescue the global economy from a slump have fueled fears that inflation could rise sharply. And so gold is the ultimate hedge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, it, it operates in the sort of inverse relationship to the dollar. When the dollar is going down... Gold goes up. And, of course, the other bad side for the American uh, consumer is that oil prices, gas prices, natural gas prices, and a sort of broad array gen of general commodities generally start going up. Mm. Uh, for instance, you know, just on a side note, there's been a uh, profound drought in India this year. Sugar and tea prices are going to uh, rise rapidly. Sugar is going up, up, up. And that may actually be a good thing. Anyway, uh, one of the interesting things, I've been reading a book about Ben Bernanke, and George Bush um, made a lot of very bad decisions, to say the least. Uh, but one That's the understatement of the year. Decision that may actually redeem him in, uh, in, in the future a little bit is the appointment of Ben Bernanke. Uh, Bernanke, of course, is uh, not a television star. He's not telegenic. He's not dynamic in his testimony. He's one of those sort of gray-suited, uh, he looks like Bartleby the Scribbler, <laughs> Scrivener, you know. I choose not to. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, because he was a, a student of the Great Depression, uh, Bernanke's performance, I think, has overall been quite good. And I think it's interesting to observe, he's a student of the Great Depression, and he had been on the Federal Reserve uh, Board as a, as a member for a number of years. It's very interesting, as a student of the Great Depression, of course, the big problem is deflation. And the deflation in the housing uh, price market, which, which are called assets, as well as the stock market, these asset bubbles have collapsed. And literally trillions of dollars of alleged paper wealth have vanished from the books, so to speak. And we're still in a deflationary cycle and a sort of mini-recession. Uh, the New York Times, interestingly, is starting to call this the Great Recession huh. because unemployment is continuing to rise. There is no real recovery in housing prices yet, though there are some local markets that are beginning to show quote-unquote bottoms. But to, uh, if you're a student of economics as I am, I wanted to just read uh, very briefly just a concept of what Bernanke has been doing uh, regarding the war against, quote, deflation. 
Step one, these are the strategies that he has employed, and his history bears out that he's done all of these things. Push the funds rate to zero. Well, they almost are at zero. And, of course, Japan had zero uh, rates for almost a decade, the so-called lost decade, in which the Japanese economies uh, suffered an enormous asset bubble that's uh, very comparable to what's gone on in the United States in the last couple of years. Step two, drive down long-term Treasury interest rates by either promising to keep short rates low for a number of years or commit to make unlimited purchases of Treasury bonds until their interest rates fall. Step three, push down interest rates on private securities by buying them up as well. Step four, intervene aggressively in foreign exchange markets to weaken the dollar and raise the price of imports. Now, this is something that we're actually palpably seeing this summer in the economy. And step five, have a coordinated easing of both monetary policy and physical policy with, for example, a cut in taxes financed by issuing money so that there is no increase in government debt. Bernanke concluded, quote, a money finance tax cut is essentially equivalent to Milton Friedman's famous helicopter drop of money. Now, I'm taking this... uh, Analysis from Ben Bernanke's Fed, the Federal Reserve After Greenspan by Ethan S. Harris, published by the Harvard University Press. It's interesting over the weekend that we saw that both the Harvard and Yale endowments declined last year by 25 percent, as did uh, as has global trade in many uh, major economies. This 25 percent is an important number because uh, it reflects an overall collapse uh, globally in asset values, uh, trade numbers, and all sorts of things. So keep an eye on that number. And I bring this stuff up to uh, just sort of illustrate how Bernanke, as chairman of the Fed, has handled the financial crisis. Began cutting interest rates. I thought he started a little too early, and he might have brought them down a little too low. But these bank balance sheets that, of course, is at the heart of the so-called financial reform that we'll hear a lot of debate about over the next uh, several weeks and months and possibly (laughs) years, is um, they're reestablishing their, quote, um, balance sheets by paying interest rates of almost 0% to depositors. I don't know if you've seen any of your saving statements lately, but they're shocking. They're basically giving you nothing. And, of course, they're charging enormous rates on credit cards right. and uh, other debtors. So, it's, Of course, college students should pay particular attention to that since yeah. the credit card is basically the cash flow for uh, probably the majority of students at this point. And while there is a, quote, deflation uh, number as it relates to the consumer price index and the popular media's coverage of the inflation-deflation debate, don't be fooled completely by declining prices. In areas where administered price increases can occur, like health insurance rates, mm. college tuition rates, fees, you name it, uh, you're going to see rates start going up. And they have gone up. Indeed. And those are the uh, so-called green shoots of recovery, so to speak, in a weird way, but also uh, green shoots of inflation on the horizon. So... I just mentioned this because uh, we're going to see I, – I, I'm just sort of uh, throwing this stuff out uh, to – as you watch the media cover the uh, financial crisis, because there's going to be a lot of one-year anniversaries about the TARP and this, that, and mm-hmm. the other, 
you know, keep an eye on um, the, the the past, the, the the tactics that Bernanke has used, and also remember factually this very bizarre thing that's going on. There are a lot of people that are angry at Obama for quote bailing out the banks and the auto companies and. You know, we, we we heard a we saw a protest this weekend. They got a lot of coverage regarding health care and socialism. George Bush was the president. Henry Paulson was the Secretary of Treasury when these bailouts occurred. The TARP legislation was proposed by Henry Paulson. The auto bailout was uh, signed by George Bush. So there seems to be kind of uh, continuing conflu- confusion about. Who was in the room when the gun went off? Selective memory is what yeah. I would call that. And this anger at Obama uh, continues to be misplaced. Uh, he can be criticized for strategic decisions regarding, you know, his first six months on the job, uh, escalating in Afghanistan, stuff that he's accountable for. But uh, he has not had a budget go into effect yet. That's still coming up. These massive deficits that have been incurred as part of the bailout, the TARP stuff, are uh, enormously high. But in comparison to Obama's modest proposals to reform health care, they're about a one-tenth the cost of the interest on the debt. might be nice if the media would start educating the nimrods out there, the pitchfork uh, crowd, about the actual budget and who's going to pay for this. Uh, And we're mortgaging our future uh, kind of rhetoric that we hear from even people like John McCain. Well, where have they been uh, in the room where the gun's been going off and the guns have been firing back and forth? These staggering interest rates and the, the, basically nine-tenths of the entire federal debt was created by George Bush and Ronald Reagan with their irresponsible tax cuts and irresponsible uh, spending priorities as it relates to war, nuclear buildups, Star Wars, a small figure in the overall nuclear buildup that occurred in the 80s. The illusion of a hegemonic shore-up in both cases. And none of this was ever paid for. And when you read that Obama has a $620 billion health care spending proposal over 10 years, which is about $62 billion a year, and you compare that to the interest on the debt just this year, which is going to be about $550. Fifty billion dollars. There's a difference between the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there's also we've reached. We're well past the point, actually, where the average person can even comprehend the kind of numbers that are at play here. Yeah. And um, the idea that we're completely doomed economically. This is an exceedingly wealthy country, and uh, the recent Harper's here has three interesting uh, statistics here. I think illustrate this. Uh, Percentage of their country's respective uh, GDPs that the U.S. and Chinese recession stimulus packages represent, 6 for the U.S., 13% for China. Mm-hmm. Portion of China's stimulus spending that will go toward infrastructure projects, two-fifths. Portion of U.S. spending that will, one-eighth. These are choices that are being made. Sure. China's spending more money on their stimulus uh, package and spending more of that money on infrastructural developments and growth. Certainly something that's sorely lacking here. This country is much wealthier than China. It sure is. And uh, we could easily uh, afford to spend more than 6% of our GDP on uh, recession stimulus packages, including 
infrastructure projects. I mean, here in Ann Arbor alone, we've got a number of really glaring and obvious ones. Uh, but we choose not to. We choose to spend unknown amounts of dollars on, uh, you know, we still have 50,000 troops in Korea, yeah. in Germany. Uh, all these permanent bases built in Iraq is just completely mad, irresponsible uh, military budgeting priorities that uh, we got to take that money back and put it into the budget in a different area. We certainly do. And see, you know, it's important to realize that while there's a lot of uh, rage by the uh, uh, Republican right about, you know, the growing menace of China, China has cho chosen to stay out of uh military conflicts around the globe. Wisely. And we spend more than 10 times what they do on our uh, defense budget. Um, the infrastructure numbers and the stimulus uh, n uh, numbers that you mentioned there from the Harper's Index, uh, the most recent Harper's Index, I, th I think you said, yeah. um, indicate, of course, the precise policy proposal that Paul Krugman, for instance, has been articulating the recent uh, Nobel Prize uh, winner in economics. Mm -hmm. He thinks that we need to spend more, not less. Um, so, uh, and and by the way, the the stimulus money that's actually been spent so far turns out to be rather modest. Uh, you know, you hear this seven hundred and eighty-seven billion uh, uh, billion dollar figure thrown around quite uh, loosely, uh, but it you know it actually turns out that something like only a hundred and forty billion has actually been spent. So. Uh, Yes, we need to spend more. We need to remember that uh, the fundamentals of the economy are not sound. Uh, yes, there's been a little bit of recovery in Wall Street, um, stock index averages, et cetera, et cetera. But the fundamentals, you know, let's remember 25% of the manufacturing jobs in America disappeared while W was president. Well, he was trying to smoke them out of their holes over in Afghanistan and uh, ignoring uh, the, the fundamental decline of the American manufacturing sector, which, of course, the problems in the Midwest, in Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, what I call the Big Ten Conference, uh, for those football fans out there, that's connected to manufacturing, those problems, as they relate to the housing problem, hmm. are very different than the problems in the Southwest housing problem in which speculation, uh, outright greed, and in many cases outright fraud uh, as a countrywide financial uh, is a perfect illustration of. Uh, they're, of course, under continuing SEC investigation, uh, Chairman Mozillo. Uh, they're very different problems with the, with, the, um, with the housing sectors in those communities. People are losing their houses in the Midwest because they're losing their jobs. People are losing their houses out west because they were trying to make a quick buck um, and were submitting, in some cases, fraudulent uh, loan uh, uh, information. And in many cases, some of the financial loan officers were processing loans that never should have been processed. Right. They knew people didn't qualify, these NIMBY loans, but they were just looking to Get that quick turnover. Quick, you know, cook the bucks. Right. Make it look like the sales were still going strong and we don't need to worry about this. And, of course, this is why AIG ultimately was uh, had to be bailed out. AIG, um, the, if you go back and you check, you know, people are – this, of course, is criminal what AIG did. But they basically bet that there wouldn't be a mortgage uh, problem in the United States. And the money that was that was given to them as part of the bailout – 
were to counterparties in these so-called credit default swaps, which of course turn out coincidentally to be the very big banks that are at the heart of this international financial house of cards. It's very fascinating stuff, very complicated, but you need to round up the uh, the usual suspects, or maybe in this case the unusual suspects, uh, put them, you know, have some investigations, uh, open up a uh, auto plant here in the United in uh, here in the state of Michigan that's been recently closed because of the downturn, and throw them in jail. It's amazing how a hanging. <laughs> I was going to say, that might make for fine reality TV. It might. And but, in fact, while I'm at it, uh, let's give out Fox, brain, uh, new, uh, Fox Network a brain damage award. The president of the United States is addressing Congress as it relates to health care. And Fox, the network, owned by Rupert Murdoch, the dork, is playing So You Think You Can Dance, not the president's speech. I noticed that all the other major... Uh, networks had the president's speech on live in prime time, as, of course, did the cable news shows. But So You Think You Can Dance, I'm sure, was really important that night. Well, they probably did pick up a lot of ratings because there's many people who really just don't care to watch the speech, regardless of who the president is and what his policies may be. But if you think about what uh, the Fox... News commentators, because they're really not news reporters, um, would say should another network have opted not to show a George W. Bush speech, well, it would have been an unpatriotic uh, commie fest. Sure. So, uh, gee, that's uh, not too surprising, but uh, I'm all too typical for the old Fox people. And, yeah, just... uh Remember that if you missed uh, So You Think You Can Dance, I'm sure you can catch it in reruns at some point. (laughs) Or online. (laughs) Anyway, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Just to remind listeners out there, uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Um, One interesting uh, thing that I saw this week uh, regarding the health care debate, because I I think that the health care debate has gotten off... uh, Onto tangents, unfortunately, uh, and Obama does deserve some criticism for that. But I, I, I thought there was a very interesting piece uh, in uh, the tenth uh, of September edition of the New York Times regarding big food versus big insurance, in which uh, Michael Pollan, a contributing writer for the Times Magazine and a professor of journalism at the uh, at UCAL Berkeley, and author of the Defense of Food. An Eater's Manifesto notes that healthcare reform, in his mind, depends on changing agribusiness. And we've talked about this down here uh, before in the past. We are corn. <laughs> A fantastic piece in the uh, New York Review of Books uh, several years ago that noted that there are something like 50,000 products uh, in uh, any given Walmart, which, uh, of course, uh, Walmart works for China. Uh, in many ways, um, uh, 50,000 products that contain corn. And, of course, corn is uh, subsidized. And Michael Pollan notes that we are spending $147 billion to treat obesity and $116 billion to treat diabetes and hundreds of billions more to treat cardiovascular disease and many types of cancer that have been linked to the so-called Western diet 
One recent study estimated that 30% of the increase in health care spending over the last 20 years could be attributed to the soaring rate of obesity, a condition that now accounts for nearly a tenth of all spending on health care. So we'll talk more about this linkage and perhaps where the real reform needs to occur. We need to cut off the subsidies to agribusiness uh, that I'm sure uh, will dismay many of the opponents of the health care reform bill since they represent